So I think this is the first rule from HR is to define if it's not done already the company policy when it comes to compensation. And in fact, what we discussed about previously around inflation is just a subset of what are our core beliefs when it comes to compensation. Is fighting inflation by increasing our employees' salaries something we deeply believe in? This question can be answered within the compensation policy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of All About HR. My name is Nelly. I'm your host. And for today's episode, I got to sit down with Virgile Rangard. Virgile is the CEO at Figures. And our conversation is about a very topical subject, namely inflation and how scale-ups and startups are reacting to that. So more on that in just a second. But before we get started, if you haven't done so yet, we really appreciate it. If you could subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell and like this video. Welcome to another episode of All About HR. Now, Virgilio, welcome. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, Nelly. Nice. Before we really kick off, maybe you can tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and, of course, about figures. Of course. So um, before I talk about figures, I think it's better if I start talking about myself because before being CEO and uh, co-founder of figures, I was actually an HR person myself. I've been uh, doing 11 years of in human resources in organization of uh, all sizes. And the last two years of my HR life, right, um, I was a VP of people operation in a post-series A startup, kind of a small startup. And for I spent two years over there, right? And during those two years, there's one thing that kept frustrating me, the lack of reliable compensation market data, right? So I had no idea what the paying, what other my competitors, other startups around me were paying their data analysts, their software engineers, salespeople. And I kept being stuck into endless arguments with my hiring manager about how much we should pay each role, with candidates that thought that the offer was not fair or whenever. No, we didn't have any real proper data. Uh, to solve this issue, right? So I started figures by myself uh, nearly two years ago now. In fact, yesterday was the two years of anniversary of figure, weirdly enough. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And um, <laughs> and then I was joined by Bastien to make it into a product, right? So right now, as of today, figures, we, we are a compensation benchmarking platform to help companies design their compensation policy on the basis of real reliable market data. And we have uh, over 820 customers uh, all over Europe as of today. Yeah, Virgil, I really love, what I really love about this is the fact that uh, Figures was was basically born out of something that you yourself were lacking when you were working in uh, in human resources, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I basically try to create the, the product that I would have loved to use when I was an HR director myself. So I'm uh, hoping that I'm making other HR directors happy now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you are. All right. Now, um, Virgil, the, the main reason that I actually reached out to you was because you recently did a survey among, I believe it was 200 companies, startups, scale-ups, uh, about how they are uh, reacting to uh, inflation. So what were some of the main findings of uh, of your survey? So I think the reason why, uh, one of the main findings is tied to the reason why we did the survey in the first place. Right? After a few months where the number one question we kept being asked was how should I pay my remote workers, right? Uh, the number one question I've gotten the last few months was, how should I react to inflation? And I think most people had no idea how to react about inflation. Most people were kind of mm -hmm. lost, right? And we discussed about this a little bit, but in the sense of no one has seen inflation, most nearly no one has seen inflation at that scale, right? Uh, inflation is such a big topic 
it's tied to compensation. No one in HR. I think some HR people have seen it when, uh, when they were dealing like with South, South American countries that have known hyperinflation the past few years. But most HR people have never had to face that. So this is why we did the survey in the first place. And the first learning from the survey is that most people are still in a wait-and-see approach and that, in fact, are waiting for to see how the market will react. They're waiting to see how others will react because themselves are not sure what they should do. So that's mm -hmm. the first finding is most people are still uncertain as to what they should do to tackle inflation. Is it their role? Is it their role? And so on. The second one, which is tied to this one, is that this kind of wait and see approach is, deeper, is different per country. Never, like 70% of uh, US companies who surveyed already have, have already taken action or are planning to take action. They're set on something to do. When you look at the UK, I believe it was around 50% or so. When you look at every country, like basically HR directors and companies from every country outside the UK and the US, mostly, main, mostly mainland Europe, right? it drops down mm -hmm. to 30%. 70% of HR directors and companies in, in Europe are still unsure of what to do about inflation. So really, learning number one is, is, this is not set in stone. Most companies have not decided what they should do yet. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you're saying about the US. I, I can imagine that has something to do with the fact that the Federal Reserve has also been upping the interest rate in the US uh, quite a quite some time before that the ECB started doing the same thing in, in Europe. So perhaps that's why companies have actually uh, acted sooner in the US than they have here in Europe, but still very interesting. Yeah, I think that's one point. I think the overall point as well, considering we interview startup and scale up, and I think the, most of the market and most HR leaders in the US, I think on average are more mature than I'd say UK, UK as a second tier and then the rest of Europe as a third tier, right? So I think there's a level of maturity of companies, market, an HR person within leadership position that also plays a role. But I agree that uh, there's probably two factors. There's maybe others. Yeah. And so Virgil, what I'm now curious about is, uh, so from uh, among the companies that are taking action, what kind of action have you seen these companies take? Can you give us some examples? To summarize, I think there's three broad categories of people within the group that has decided like to take action or has decided to do something that is now clear on what they want to do. I think the, there's one group, the first one, which is the group of I want to help my company. I want to help my employees with this issue of inflation, with this issue of their spending power, their spending income being impacted. We feel like we have to do something. Or maybe, you know, they're reacting also to those same employees, asking them to do something, right? But those companies, the first group of companies are those who are saying, we are going to do something. And those companies, the first action taken uh, was increasing salaries, right? Increasing wages, often on a general increase basis, like we're increasing everyone by X percent, everyone present in the company. No thing in terms of seniority, performance level, it's like basically everyone who's in the company. Option two, some of them have opted for, for like a one-shot temporary bonus to fight inflation. So like we're going to help you with your, with your spending income, but we'll do, do it on a one-shot temporary bonus. There's two reasons for that, mostly. One, some of them, like some of those uh, company leaders have been thinking, you know, inflation is temporary. We don't want to impact base salary. Is a, impacting base salary is like a permanent move. We'd rather do something momentary, right? Something that doesn't last uh, long in time. Also, because in some countries, namely we've seen like Austria, France, Germany, there's potentially more than that, right? That have tax benefits specific tax benefits for companies to provide uh, one-shot bonuses tied to cost of living and spending power. So, of course, some companies have been potentially playing both angles, but are saying, no, we want to do something monetary, but no, no salary increase would rather go for a one-shot bonus, right? So, I think that was the first group of companies where they want to give their employees cash to fight this, uh, this inflation. There's a second group 
which is more, okay, we might not want to do something with cash, either because we don't have the budget, either because we're not sure we should do it, but they're trying to have a look at the overall benefits package and some of monetary, indirect monetary benefits, right? Such as reimbursing more for the home allowance, for utilities reimbursement, for travels, for everything that companies like employees have to pay for, uh, by themselves that the company is trying to subsidize in a tax efficient way, right? Saying we won't impact directly cash, but we'll find smart ways and efficient ways to increase your spending income by taking care of some of the usual costs you may have as employees. And I think the third group is an interesting one. Right? The third group is the group of, you know what? We don't think we should be taking any inflation-specific action at all. First reason, because it's been proven that, in fact, if all every company keeps increasing their salaries, trying to match inflation, then increases inflation as well, and then we go a bit into a spiral of death afterwards, right? So some of them, I've had a few HR leaders mentioning that they feel like it's their responsibility not to do that. But then there's an interesting point that is, you know what? Our policy has always been, our compensation policy has always been, we look at market data. We want to pay as a certain position of the market data, the median or the 70th percentile. We'll keep doing that. We won't overreact because of inflation. We look at market data at the end of the year. We see which roles have moved or haven't moved potentially. And we'll adjust our salary ranges accordingly, and we'll adjust our salary our budget increase accordingly. We won't do anything specific to fight inflation, business as usual. So those this last group is one that I um, I didn't expect. You know, I, I I thought most companies were were planning to do something specific, but to me, once again, it makes sense, and it goes back to one important thing that about compensation. Right? There's no, I don't think there's for in this case, it's an other topic in which there's no ultimate truth. There's no ultimate way to do something fair. It's not like the fair thing to do for employers is to do one-shot bonus. No, I think it's up to each company and to each company leader to find what rings true for them, what is tied to their belief. Do they feel like it's their mission to help directly with more cash their employees or not? Do they feel like they have to stick to their current process because that's the fair thing to do? up to them. I don't think there's an ultimate fair answer, right? No, I I don't think so either. Frigil, now let's um, zoom in a little bit more on the role of HR uh, when it comes to, uh, yeah, this whole uh, rising inflation situation. And then in particular, of course, in, in startups and in scale-ups, you have talked to a lot of companies, you've seen many different things. So what can every HR department do? And then for instance, they can proactively communicate about the realities in the company or, you know, they can provide financial education. What are your thoughts on this? Yep. So I'll start with the last one because I think it's an interesting one, financial education, right? I think it's, a, <clears throat> it, hasn't seen, it hasn't been seen historically as a perk, like as a company potential responsibility or offering to support uh, their employees with financial education, but I see it more and more. I see it quite a lot in the US. I see it quite a bit in the UK now. But in the rest of Europe, I haven't seen it too much. Companies proactively being like, we want to help uh, our employees being more educated around financial responsibilities, around loans, around how they can improve their financial situation to now and tomorrow down the road. I think it's super interesting perk, especially in the world of startup and scale-up, for which there's a lot, there's quite relatively young like people being employed that most of the time start getting some salaries. I have no idea what to do with it, right? So I think I think it's a super interesting perk that I see more and more companies adopting. But that's one thing. That's a very uh, tactical thing that everyone can implement. But I love the, the, the next points you've mentioned. I think there's two main things that most companies can do. The point you mentioned, which is communication, openly communicate, right? But I think as a prerequisite for open communication, there's another point, which is defining your compensation policy. Right, defining your core belief around compensation, 
rend salary, but not only salary, rend benefits, rend equity, and so on. So it's not, I think, the HR role to do so. It's the HR role to help coordinate it along with the company leader in order to set what they think is a policy aligned with the company culture. So I think this is the first role from HR is to define, if it's not done already, the company policy when it comes to compensation. And in fact, what we discussed about previously around inflation is just a subset of this policy. It's a subset of what are our core beliefs when it comes to compensation. Is inflation, is fighting inflation by increasing our employees' salaries something we deeply believe in? This question can be answered within the compensation policy. So I think the first step is what, do, what is our company compensation policy? Have we defined it yet? And then potentially afterwards, you can open the, I think, the, the communication chapter. But this first part, I think, is uh, what every company could do and can do very early on. Yeah, so Virgil, I think now a, a very logical question that, that follows is, and this is interesting because we recently actually published an article as well about uh, what HR can do when it comes to inflation, several, th several things. But what we also said in that article uh, is that it starts with having a compensation policy in place. And so we also said that if you do not have one in place yet, please start uh, developing a compensation policy. Now, you have a background in HR yourself. You've also been in startups and scale-ups uh, yourself. So I'm sure that you know better than I do that this is something that in many start and scale-ups is not yet in place. Now, for the people in the audience that might be in, in these types of companies, how can they get started? You know, How do you start developing this compensation policy? Look, it can be scary. And I think it's scary for most people, especially when you're not, you, you don't feel like a compensation and benefit expert, when you're just like the only HR person in the company, you have a ton of things to manage, you're like, why should I, I go and tackle this compensation policy? So I think inflation is one of the topics that pushes you to think about your core belief as a company, but there'll be many more down the line, right? There'll be many more. And let me name one of them before I actually answer your question, which is my big topic is transparency in pay, right? Actually, transparency in pay is coming, right? It's coming from a regulation perspective, more and more countries, states, the European Union is considering um, uh, a law that will force employers to publish information about salary ranges on job ads, right? And this is coming from regulation. This is coming from, I think, like kind of the, in the startup and sculpture ecosystem, more and more companies being transparent. It's coming from employees themselves. It's not the black box it used to be, and it will less and less be a black box. More and more employees are talking about compensation. They see articles about companies being transparent. They're asking their employer about why are we transparent? What's our policy? What's our salary ranges? And so on. So one key point as well, If you're not doing it for inflation, you will have to do it more. Company will have to start defining their compensation policy before it's too late, before they have to be transparent. If not, it'll be a huge mess. Going back to your question now, it's one more reason why it's important. When you look at compensation policy, and of course, you won't take too much time to have a look at it, but the first thing to remember, it's not only about salary, right? Most people, when you think salary policy, they think about salary ranges and they type how to define salary ranges. Now, salary is one of the elements. The salary, like base pay, there's variable pay, There's benefits, there's equity. That's an easy way to have a look at it, right? If you start from the, the bottom up in some way, equity is an interesting one. The equity, like giving shares or stock option of your company, it's, it's a, one of the most, uh, like one of the most, one of the topics that's most tied with the founder's belief. What is the founder's belief that should they give equity to everyone in the company, regardless of level, seniority, role, and so on? Should they believe that some, something that's only for the few? like only the top company executive? Do they believe that maybe it's something that's earned, that they don't give it to start with, but they give it after uh, someone has proven their performance? Same thing. No, I don't think there's one fair answer, but it's one thing that like, company leaders have to think about. 
And once they answer those, uh, those uh, questions, they have to document them. This is a company policy. They have, say, benefit section. This is our core belief on equity. We think everyone should have equity. We want to provide equity with on par with market practice, maybe a bit above. Maybe we have some specific core belief that we want to make uh, equity liquid as much as we can during fundraising and so on. That's equity. When it goes to benefits, I think the key thing about benefits that's super important is, is often benefits is seen as a tactical, very budget-oriented thing, right? So what we have some budget, will we pick like gym reimbursement or will we pick like buying books for the office or training and stuff like that? When I think benefits should be starting with what makes sense for your culture, right? If you want to create a culture, if you say you're a company, then you want to create a culture of uh, always learning about something, right? A, a learning-based company, you feel like you want to provide in terms of experience with the employee, a, a company, a place where they keep learning, why don't we start with benefits around learning? Like a budget that any employees can use as they want, access to conferences, coaching and mentoring on demand and things like that, which are becoming more and more common. Or if you say that you're a company that wants to play to, uh, put an emphasis on like work-life balance, probably start with benefits around, I don't know, parental leave, uh, work four-day work week, more leave days, there's plenty of opportunities to, to define culturally aligned benefits. And I think companies should start by thinking of what makes sense as per our culture for benefits to implement. I keep moving up. Stop me, huh, Nili. I keep talking. If you don't stop me, I keep talking. I keep going uh, to the end of the compensation policy. Yeah, no, but uh, I think this makes, uh, this makes a lot of sense, Virgil. And I think what is really beautiful about having the opportunity to to think about this compensation and benefits policy right from the start in a, a relatively small company is that you can also ask the people in the company what is important to them, right? You can actually ask them for their thoughts on that. 100%. If you see culture, like company culture, I love the analogy of company culture of like a tree or a plant that keeps growing, right? One of those branches can be company benefits. And if you believe, like I believe, and I think most people should believe that your early employees are part of creating the culture, they're not just following your guidelines, they're creating the culture, they should be involved into how this plant evolve, how this culture evolve, so they should be involved into what benefits they think the company should implement because it makes sense for them, it makes sense for the culture, and so on. 100% agree on that. And as we're talking about uh, evolving, that's a really nice bridge, actually, because something that we've been seeing more and more in the benefit space as well is that companies are, are looking into ways to uh, tailor those benefits to, to particular stages of an employee's life. So what are your thoughts on that? I, like, I can't agree more. Right? It's one of my big things. My key belief on benefits is that the future is flexible benefits. The future is... So the future is a combination of the company defining key benefits that's tied to their culture, right? Saying those things that make sense for us. And then for the rest, being like, you know what, here's the budget. As you said, maybe you're a parent, you want to allocate some of that budget towards parental care and something like that. Maybe your childcare, or maybe you are more, you more care about gym, or you care about mental well-being. Flexibility, I think, is the key for benefits moving forward. So I think really uh, it's going to be like that, like, company-wide benefits that are really tied to the culture, and for the rest, which has less cultural impact, flexibility. So clearly, I, I fully see that as a, the way to go moving forward. I think it's a bit tricky from a HR perspective, like how you build that per country and so on, but I think there's more and more companies in that space. I'm sure that'll be the, that's going to be the way company will manage benefits in a few years. Virgil, going back to the inflation, uh, I think one more time, because um, are there perhaps some things that you found from your survey or that you, you've just 
heard from companies that you're in, in, in conversation with, like, what are some of the, the don'ts, you know, actions to be avoided and, 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 you know, some sort of panic reaction? I think the biggest advice is tied to what we were discussing earlier on is not communicating, right? So it's super interesting. So I've seen some companies not doing anything, but communi communicate, communicating, sorry, well about their compensation policy, what is inflation, what impact they have, what is the financial status of the company, why they're not doing anything, you know, involving companies, being transparent, and you know, as always with transparency is creating accountability, is creating trust between, I think, the company and employees, and being like, you know what, employees understood, maybe some of them are disappointed, but they, are, they understood, they love the transparency and so on. I found one of the HR person saying, we gave out like a 5% uh, global salary increase to everyone, we sent out a letter saying that uh, to help them with inflation, they're giving them 5% salary increase. They didn't do any other form of communication. And people were like, why are we getting only 5% because uh, the, the global inflation rates at 7 or 7.5% at the moment were disappointed, why aren't we matching depression? And the HR person I was, I was talking to was like clearly pissed off at the overall reaction. But because I think they didn't take time to sit down, they were like, you know what, we're taking action, we're part of the good employers and so on. So again, it goes back to communication and communicating about the compensation, sitting down and just explaining why they took that action, why they decided to take action, why 5% are not necessarily matching inflation, why assuring some of the results. It's not every company is doing that, so the people should feel quite happy about this being uh, happening in their company. You know, they didn't do that. They took a great idea, which was a great initiative. It failed entirely. So the number one thing is about the don't, the number one don't is not communicating, like really. Regardless of what decision you need to take, I think you need to sit down and explain why you're taking the decision to employees. Now, slightly changing tack here, Virgil, um, because I really wanted to ask you as well about what kind of innovative reward strategies that you are seeing in the scale-up or in the startup space, especially when there is not necessarily always a lot of cash available. So what are you seeing, things that you're excited about? I, start with, I think there's, there's three things I can discuss about, right? Some very easy to implement, some a bit harder. The first thing, which is an interesting one that I've seen that might sound a little bit stupid is around the referral premiums, right? The fact that when you refer someone to your company, you get a premium for referring someone to the company. And those, those premiums can get very, very large, right? We have a, a few of our clients, one of our clients gives 10K, I think it's 10K for tech, so like developers uh, being hired, which is to me, which is something I honestly don't understand from my point of view, because I think it sends a wrong message that you're giving away 10k to someone that earns 5k 6k by salary saying here is two months worth of salary for finding someone so like i think he sends a message that spend your days on linkedin trying to harass or reach out to your former uh, classmates or whoever you know just to get them into the company basically you turn them into sources and recruiters instead of doing their job right so that's a separate conversation but some companies even if much way slower uh, way smaller um, referral premiums have done something they said you know what we're going to double the amount if you choose to donate it to charity or an association, or if you choose to use it for your personal development. So in fact, if instead of giving you 2K referral premium, we give you 4K if you decide to spend those 4K toward the personal training for you, personal development, or we give you, we'll match those 2K, we give, we'll pay 4K to the charity of your choosing. So I think that was a super way to turn referral premium, which can be a premium once again, that can send a bad message from time to time into something super positive toward self-development or towards giving out to charities while the company is showing efforts and sending a good message as well. I think that's a very small tactical thing that makes a lot of sense. And as the last point on that, very tax efficient because in most countries, donation to charities can be deducted from taxes, company taxes, and same thing, 
when you're giving out 2k to someone most often you have to pay like 1k in taxes so versus when you pay 4k to personal development to a training for someone you don't have to pay any tax plus it might benefit you because the person is more engaged is getting better and so on so i think there's clear win-win on both sides with that kind of uh, thing yeah absolutely and was was there a third one that you were going to mention yes i think there's like one one key innovation that i've seen from a company is like they're giving the, the choice for employees to get their bonuses either in cash like i'm getting you you have a, you're getting 5k uh, this year uh, bonus you can get it in cash turn it convert it into leave days so they did uh, based on your base salary those 5k might be worth seven leave days that you might choose to use this year or that they can turn into equity of the company so basically they went to everyone and they gave them this choice right and i think it goes back to our discussion around the flexibility and benefits i think same can be done at the compensation level i think it's a bit tricky to manage right but same thing the message is, is pretty amazing you need cash right now because you're in this kind of situation maybe you take it maybe you're more interested into more time off more time off with your friend family whatever you get it into leave days and maybe you want to take a bet on the future of the company you turn it into equity flexibility and compensation i think is super powerful and uh, oh wow yeah this is i'm really actually excited to hear that because we had a conversation on the podcast last year with somebody uh, that was at, that had been in the reward space for super long and i asked this question like you know, do you can you imagine that sometime in the future we're going to go to a situation in which people can choose whether they want actually more cash uh, in their compensation or something else? And he thought it might have been a, still a bit far off, but it's really actually super cool to hear that some companies are actually doing this. And yes, this makes complete sense. Now, Virgil, we're getting to one of my favorite parts of the episode, and that is the part where I ask my guests to uh, share with us what they believe is the biggest cliche about HR. So I'm very curious to hear what you're going to say. But most people think that HR are there to serve the purpose of the company, right? To only be serve the purpose, like serve the company's desire, which in some kind of way kind of true because the company employs them and at times it's more of the, the HR's role to serve the best interests of the companies. But most people, most HR people I know, in fact, nearly all of HR people I know, are doing this role because they want to help actually have an impact on people's life, right? They don't do it because they're they're super happy in not terminating a ton of employees because the company has them too. The number one thing they care about is making people's life better. So it, I think it's the biggest cliche, like they're just looking after the company's best interest. When most people, when they choose to go into HR, they're not choosing to go in that direction because they want to serve the company's best interest because they want to make people's life better. So and I think that's that's the number one cliche I, I, I kind of hate personally. Thank you for sharing that. Now, and then there's one other question that I always ask for Gilles, and that is if my guests want to share an epic win and an epic fail with us. Epic win. Um, I'm pretty proud of the way we at, uh, at Figures, we've, we've managed to develop a few videos internally. There's a video we've released that's called Life at Figures that um, people might access on our website and so on that we did with like a 800 euros budget. And it's gotten a lot, a lot of views. It's helped our employer branding. It's generated a lot of application. It helps us a lot into employer branding. With just, it was 800 euros budget. We spent one hour and a half brainstorming into a room. People might have a look at it. It's like an, the office inspired kind of video. And to be honest, when we got it, we loved quite a lot looking at it, but we were unsure if we were publishing it because we were like, this is ridiculous, right? And we're like, you know what? Who cares? We published it and got very, very good reaction. A lot of people, the amount of people that talk to me about this video, even today, is kind of huge. So I think for us, I think I'm pretty proud of it. And in fact, we have the tradition of doing what stupid videos and ridiculous ones on a regular basis. And there's one coming up about my recent trip to Amsterdam 
very soon, probably next week, as time of recording. So people can watch this on, on, on the YouTube channel of Figures? Yep, exactly. Okay. Fantastic. And so do you also have an epic fail in mind? Yeah, so a pretty interesting one. From a, and I, I thought about this one on the compensation-related one, right? And it's actually tied to, uh, to your like question, an innovation within the compensation. One of the innovations has been out for a few years. I haven't seen it gain that much traction. Is a peer-rewarding system, right? The fact that peer can recognize their peers and so on, potentially with a monetary way. It's something that was tried out at Google a while ago, and also as Google did it, many companies tried to do it. It's a way that you give a small amount, a small budget to each person, and on a monthly basis, they can attribute 100 euros to one or multiple people that have helped them or have outperformed their role within the last month. Right? As a way to say, you know what? Distributed ownership between employees. And one of the companies I was at, Criteo, at the time, they implemented it. And then they stopped it because they found out that people have managed to do small loops, like A, person A was giving to B, B to C, C to T, and D to A. So they were gaming the system to have a loop to ensure they would all get the bonus themselves. So that ended up being an epic fail from a conversation perspective, right? But it's starting from a good... I mean, from a good place, right? That's pretty innovative. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I heard about something like this, but it was more in terms of you could actually buy people in the company a coffee. So, you know, it was monetary, but not really because people could only buy a, a coffee, literally. But uh, I hadn't heard about this one yet. But yeah, it, I, I'm sure it started from a really good intention. But, you know, mm. okay. Well, thank you very much. And also thank you very much for this conversation, Virgil. I really enjoyed it. I super enjoyed it as well. I hope it'd be uh, useful and actionable for for people listening. Yeah. So one last question. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they best do so? Probably on LinkedIn. Probably on LinkedIn. For sure. Okay. So yeah, Virgil Rangard. We will, of course, uh, put uh, the name of Virgil in the notes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, for today's episode as well. I really hope that you uh, enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you haven't done so yet, please, we really appreciate it if you subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, and like this video. Thank you so much, and I see you very soon again for another episode of All About HR. Bye.